the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here back after a two-week hiatus. Uh, Last week, um, I had a good excuse. I was actually in an airplane flying back from New York City. I spent New York City uh, last week uh, in New York City with my wife and my children. We saw a few shows. We went to the Met. We went to Liberty Island and Ellis Island. We uh, did the American Revolution walking tour downtown, where even though I'm a big fan of the study of the American Revolution, there were a lot of things I learned on that walking tour that I didn't know before. And I'm not going to share the tour with you today. That's not my focus. But I just want to let you know I'm back in town now here in my office in San Jose. And uh, you can feel free to, I've already had some people who listen to the show who are coming to my seminars. I, let me tell you about the seminars I have coming up. I actually have three, a seminar and two workshops tomorrow morning here in my office in San Jose at uh, 9 o'clock. I have my Living Trust Seminar, which I've been doing for several years. It's pretty much all full up, although I think there might still be might still be one spot available left. So if you wanted to register for that, I think I have one space available. I also have my Modifying Broken Living Trust Workshop, which is all about going to court to modify, revise, or even terminate irrevocable trusts, um, trusts maybe that were created years ago and are not as effective as they could be, um, living trusts that were created and required to be split by um, a surviving spouse into two or more new trusts when a spouse passes away. Uh, I regularly go to court to fix trusts that either are not doing what they were intended to do or to undo something that's already in place, something I do regularly. And uh, my workshop at 11 o'clock tomorrow in my office is on that. It's a short workshop, about a half an hour long, so you don't have to take a lot of time out of your day, but it's filled with useful information um, about just how you don't have to be stuck with the trust that um, that you have after a spouse dies. There are things that can be done to fix that. There's also things that can be done to fix trusts that really didn't anticipate the situation your family is facing today, such as having a a special needs family member and the trust um, did not provide for leaving property in trust for that special needs family member and it could actually jeopardize 
their um, their ability to get uh, public benefits. My uh, last workshop, which will be at eleven thirty tomorrow, ending at noon, is called "Gathering Loose Assets into a Trust Without Probate." I know that's a really awkward name. I could have called it the Hegstat Workshop, but that wouldn't give you any information at all. So what I did was describe what the workshop is about. It's basically about a trust where it was either underfunded or unfunded, meaning that there either um, everything wasn't transferred into the ownership of the trust before somebody died or else that it was never funded at all before somebody died. And now we need to try and figure out how to get the person's property into their trust. Well, that's what that workshop is about. It's about a special type of petition that could be done in the court to actually gather in or transfer ownership of those assets in someone's name or payable to their estate without having to go through the whole probate process. I will say that uh, I'm constantly finding finding creative ways to use the probate code to help families out with these situations. And um, if you're facing a situation like that, come to one or both of the workshops tomorrow. The Modifying Broken Living Trust Workshop starts at 11. The Gathering Loose Assets into a Trust Without Probate Workshop, got to come up with a better name than that, that starts at 1130. Now, I'll be taking calls today. If you'd like to call in, the number is 800-516-1220. If you'd like, you could also email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's radio, R-A-D-I-O, at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B, dot com. If you email questions there, I will be monitoring that email address throughout the show, so you can go ahead and uh, uh, give me, uh, send me an email there with your question, or call eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Now, moving on with today's show, I'm going to go back into the um, the type of programming I normally do, which is to talk about situations that are, people are facing around the state of California and kind of my suggestions about those situations and my insights as an estate planning attorney. I've been practicing uh, since 1980 as an attorney. Um, The old joke goes, I'm hoping to get it right someday. Um, I'm board certified in estate planning, trust, and probate law, which means I'm kind of like a doctor who is a specialist in an aspect of medicine. I'm a specialist in the area of estate planning. So I have a somewhat unique perspective on estate planning. Uh, Many attorneys are not specialists, and they dabble in estate planning. It's all I do as an attorney. So uh, because it's my specialty, I spend a lot of my spare time keeping up to date on new trends that are happening in the area of estate planning. Now here, let's talk about this situation that comes out of Los Angeles. And um, I know this is a situation that has probably come up for people in my listening audience, and they've maybe wondered this question as well. This person says they're the trustee of their mother's living trust. There's two properties in the trust. Um, I, the person talking, is the beneficiary of one, and my brother's the beneficiary of the other. My brother and I each have our own living trusts, 
and we'd both like for the property that we inherit to be put into our living trust after mom dies. Can we save a step and simply quit claim the properties from my mother's trust directly into our living trust? Well, I'll tell you, my suggestion would be no, not to do it that way. It will create kind of a confusion in the title of the properties. I would say you transfer it first out of your own, uh, your mom's living trust after she dies into your individual name that qualifies for an exclusion from reassessment from the property taxes as a parent to child transfer, then turn around in a separate transaction and transfer the ownership into your living trust. If you're married, you also need to decide whether you're going to transfer the property in as your sole and separate property, separate from your marriage, or whether you want to make it part of the marriage and convert, or what we call transmute, into community property so it's owned by you and your spouse. I do advise people on those issues if they do planning through me, and uh, I do trust administration, so I assist families after someone has died with handling the actual administration of the trust and taking the legal steps necessary to get that all sorted out. So that would be my advice there is do it as a two-step transfer. Um, one transfer for um, one transfer for for to get it out of mom's trust, one transfer to get it into your trust. Well, I, I see from my email, it looks like somebody grabbed the last spot for my living trust seminar tomorrow morning. So uh, it looks like it's all full up, but my other workshops are still available. Now, after the break, I'll be coming back and going over more questions and comments about situations around the state of California. So this is attorney Bob Bergman. I'll talk with you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Here in the second segment of the show, I'm going to cover some more situations from around the state of California. I hope that last segment uh, made sense for people. Um, Again, if you want to call, it's 800-516-1220. Let me take a little sip of water here. That's my politician moment right there. So here we go. Um, Let me flip ahead here. Okay, here's someone here, actually here in Santa Clara County, where I practice, wants to know, says, I want to transfer half of real estate that I own individually in California. Uh, I want to transfer it to my brother. Can I do a quit claim deed? Should I do the deed, then notarize and record it in the county? Well, Quick claim deed might be the way to do it. A grant deed could also be used. But what you need to be aware of here and what this person may not be aware of is that if he just transfers half of his real estate that he owns to his brother, that will, in fact, trigger a reassessment of 50% of the property taxes of the property. This is because 
It's considered a change in ownership under the property tax laws, and it does not qualify for an exclusion from reassessment of the property taxes under the property tax laws. Now, in a situation like that, um, it might be possible if this person wants to transfer half to his brother that if it's done in a couple of uh, a couple of transfers that are apart in time, like maybe a transfer first to a parent who then subsequently at some point later on transfers it to the brother, those two transfers together might be able to have an exclusion from reassessment both in the first transfer and then in the second transfer to the brother, thereby getting it to the brother. However, this can't. This has to be very carefully done, and I can't absolutely guarantee it will work without a reassessment. But I can tell you that it has been used successfully. Just don't try to do this on your own. Get experienced real estate attorney or estate planning attorney to assist you with something like that. Okay, here, here it says mom died and the trustee gave equal amounts um, to the four children getting equal shares. But the trustee, even though all the taxes have been paid, there's still almost half a million dollars that the trustee is holding on to, claiming that some bill might come along later and then she'd have it, and now claims that it's been handed over to the attorney. Okay, so here's the deal. The question is, is there some way to force the trustee to release the rest of the funds? Well, I'd start first by asking the question, you know, what other kind of bills do you think are out there where you have to hold back a half a million dollars? Um, you know, was was the person who died a gambler? Uh, did they owe something to uh, owe money to the mob? I mean, it's just uh, I'm not really sure why that much money would need to be held back. But that being said, at some point, the trustee has to deliver the rest of the funds and can't hold on to them indefinitely. There is no hard and fast rule on that point. Uh, it's more that um, that it has to be reasonable, and uh, if it if it ends up being a year or two, that's probably not reasonable. But holding on to it for three or four months after the time that you know people would actually file claims, that might work as well. If they're really concerned about it, you can actually file a special type of proceeding in probate to give notice to creditors and give a chance for creditors to file claims. And then if they don't file claims, then you can freely um, distribute at that point because you'll have uh, you'll, you'll have given proper notice and claims can't be filed anymore. Okay. Now here, here's a situation that, I mean, I talk with people about this when they want to do something about this, that they have to make provision of some kind for this. Here's someone that says they received 50% ownership of real estate from the grandfather's trust. However, the trust says that this person's uncle, the the son of the grandfather, can live in the property expense-free for as long as he likes. And now this child, this young man, is being asked to pay half of all the expenses and this person has no means of support. They're not physically capable of working, have no car or money. 
is this legal since I can't sell my share? My sister's the other beneficiary. Here's a problem. This grandfather left this property in trust for the uncle to use in without providing the means to pay for the expenses and without requiring the uncle to pay the expenses of the property as a condition for living there. And even if a property's owned free and clear, there are expenses. There are utilities. There are property taxes. There are maintenance expenses. What happens if the water heater goes out? If the if the um, air conditioning goes out? If the roof develops a hole in it? I mean, any number of things can happen with a property. Here... You know, I don't really know how I would answer this person. They're now the owner of the property, but the uncle can live there for free. That sounds like it's being left in trust. Sounds to me actually like that that the the uh, the two children, uh, the grandchildren, whether they don't actually have ownership of the property until the uncle moves out or dies. Um, the question is. Who's really responsible for the expenses? And it's probably the trust, not the individual ultimate beneficiaries. However, it doesn't appear that there's any money there uh, to take care of that. This is what I call a mess. And I've seen people do this. I People all the time will come in and say, well, I want to have my son be able to live in the house as long as he wants. Okay. Who's paying all the expenses during that? What do you mean? The house is free and clear. No. Who's paying the expenses of maintaining that property while your son lives there? Is he going to pay it? Well, yeah, he'll pay it. What happens if he doesn't pay? Can he be moved out by the trustee? What happens if he involuntarily leaves the property like he's arrested and put in jail? What if he disappears and nobody knows where he is? Does that mean the house has to sit there vacant indefinitely? until seven years has gone by and you can go to court and have him declared legally dead. I mean, these are the kinds of issues that come up. Um, I always caution people when they want to actually leave property in trust for someone to live in. You've got to provide the means for that property to be uh, taken care of, the expenses paid, or if the person living there is paying the expenses, you have to have some kind of enforcement in place. So if they don't pay, there's someone who has the right to pay um, and maybe has the right to have them moved out so the property can be subsequently distributed or sold according to what the um, according to what the, the trust ultimately is intended to do. So we're coming up on the uh, midpoint of the show today. If you'd like to call, it's 800-516-1220. You can also email your questions to radio at lawbob.com. So this is attorney Bob Bergman, and I will get back to you after the break. Now back to plan your estate radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Uh, I've been informed by my engineer, Marco, that I do have a caller called in uh, during the break. Uh, that's Susan in San Jose. You have a, Susan, are you there? Do you have a question for me? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can Hello? quite clearly. 
Yes. Great. Can you hear me? Well, yes, I can hear you. Great. Thank you. I'm calling because um, my husband passed away four years ago. I own a home in San Jose, California, which is probably worth maybe uh, between one million and a million two, depending, you know, with the houses that are going up and down right now, kind of crazy. It's but I crazy, about- isn't it? I mean, I I live in San Jose as well, and I've been here fifty years, and I'm astonished at what what a million dollar home is in San Jose. <laughs> yeah, it's a thirteen hundred twenty five yeah. square foot home. It's a very. I'm small guessing home. Willow Glen. Cambrian. Cambrian Park. Mm-hmm. Okay, that'll be my next Cambrian. guess. Yeah. And I have a That's very close location. to me. <laughs> I, really? So I'm really My office is in Cambrian Park, so uh Oh really? So what's your yeah, what's your question then? So my question is, um so I had to take out an equity line when my husband passed away because he had no life insurance and he got mm-hmm. cancer and died kind of suddenly. And I'm raising my granddaughter and my son, who are both um, 15 and 12 now. And um, I am concerned because I don't think I can afford to stay living here. And I'm thinking with the amount of debt that I have, even though I make good money, I'm a nurse and I'm bringing, uh, you know, over 100000 a year, I've gone from two incomes to one. And I don't know how long I can maintain this. So I had to pull out an equity line. So my, my question is, if I were to sell my home, I would. I have at least six hundred fifty thousand dollars in my home and in my equity line of debt, and um, that includes what I have left on my car. And then by the time they take taxes and I pay a realtor, I don't think I would have enough money to even move out of the area to another home to buy another home, depending on you know what the market's going to look like when I decide to sell. Well, let me start first by saying that that as far as taxes go, you would only owe capital gains tax to the extent that what you netted out of the property um, was more than what the value of the property was when your husband passed. Because it's likely that the value gets revalued to the market value at that on that date for income tax purposes, which means the equity build up to that date would not be subject to capital gains income tax. So you wouldn't be paying capital gains tax on the full amount of the gain out of the property. It's going to be a, a smaller amount of the gain than you may think. So that that may change the equation a little bit for you there. But what okay. is your actual question for me? Because I, I'm not really a financial advisor. Um, well, that, so let's I, see if there's something I, I can't answer for you. How much do you think I would end up having to pay approximately of that in taxes? That's what I'm kind of wondering because, you know, if I sell my home and I pay off all my bills and let's say I have $300,000 left or, you know, well, how much of that do you think will end up going to taxes in the worst case scenario? Well, again, it starts with the question of what was the property worth on the date that your husband died. And, so I um, had my house reassessed because, fortunately, I um, met a widow, um, a, a grief share group, and she told me to get my house appraised. And so I had my house mm-hmm. appraised when my husband died, and it, it appraised at $997,000 um, in that area. Okay, so let's call it a million. Okay. Yeah, if if you go ahead and you sell the property and you and you net out 
um, less than that because you're going to have costs of sale and things like that. If you net out less than that, you're probably not going to owe any income tax. Hmm. Okay. So you'd walk you, you would walk away with you'd walk away with three hundred thousand in your pocket. Now, I'm not an accountant. This is the kind of thing that's really an accountant question to sit down and run the analysis, uh, what the effect of having the equity line is. But the thing is, with the equity line, you were basically just taking money out over the last couple of years that if you sold the house right away, you would have been able to keep without any tax. So I think you may find if you sit down with an accountant and run the numbers, cost of sales, subtract that out of the likely sale price of the property, if you end up with a net out before paying off everything, after costs of sale, not counting like the mortgage and things like that, if you end up netting out less than that value, you will not have any income tax on the money you put in your pocket. And even if you end up with more than that value, you'd only pay income tax on the excess amount over that date of death value. So that's the good news. Um, You're probably going to walk away with most, if not all of that, in your pocket, and with three hundred thousand, um, there there are several places in California you could buy a house outright for that or less. Um, you know, here in Santa Clara County, it's we're the most expensive real estate in the country now. That's right. that's actually, it takes a higher income in this county to buy a house than even San Francisco now, by I, quite a I margin. Um, so if we've lived here a long time, like I've lived here a long time, hooray for me, um, I couldn't afford to buy my house. <laughs> Let's put it that me way. Either. Actually, my me wife either. and I together could afford to buy our house, but but we wouldn't be willing to pay for our house what someone would expect us to. We'd rather right. live someplace else and pay that kind of money and have a mansion. <laughs> exactly. So, if you were to, if you um, were to move... If you were in my situation, where where would you move to? Where would you where would you think to move to? You mean if I could move anywhere I wanted to? Well, um, in my I mean, if I had a, with my friends, with my friends. In your situation, in your situation, you're probably looking, um, probably looking. If you're going to stay in California, you're probably looking at the Central Valley, if you actually want a a good size house. Uh, and I mean, you know, like Modesto, Turlock. Not necessarily Stockton, but Turlock. My, I have in-laws that live in Turlock. Um, my wife's sister and and her husband and their kids, and uh, they have a nice house over there in Turlock near near uh, um, Cal State Stanislaus. And there's a lot of nice housing over there, and it's not nearly as pricey as ours here. So, uh, plus, I imagine they probably need nurses over there as well. <laughs> So well, that's the beauty of my profession is that I can pretty much go anywhere with it. Um, it's although, very portable. I I come from a family of nurses. My mother was a nurse. Three of her sisters were nurses. I have a cousin who's a retired nurse, and I have a niece who's studying to become a nurse. And then my brother-in-law's sister is also a nurse. So we've got, and then her mother wow. is a nurse. So, uh, in fact, when I was growing up. All my mom and her sisters were all trying to get me to go into nursing 
<laughs> I'm not sure why they energy. thought I would be good in nursing. Um, I really do not handle the sight of blood very well at all. So I, you know, the the old joke, you know, why did he become a lawyer? Because he couldn't stand the sight of blood. That kind of applies to me. Um, ah. That's why I'm a lawyer instead of a doctor, for example. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, not that I... <laughs> Not that I ever aspired to be a doctor, but uh, hopefully that will help you. I think what you need to do, though, is is get together with a, an accountant and have the accountant what, crunch the numbers for you. What type of an um, accountant would I look for? Um, you know, even an enrolled agent might be sufficient for this, but a certified public accountant would probably let, I think it's worth going and, and spending a little time and a little money to have someone run the numbers, tell you what the exact Potential tax liability is both the state and the federal because they need to know what your income is. If you have taxable income for the state of California that is from the sale of a capital asset such as uh, such as real estate or stocks or bonds or things like that, that counts as ordinary income on your tax return for California. So you pay tax I have at a rate. This house. That's all I have is this house. Uh, but but you have income. So whatever oh, yeah. tax bracket you're in for the state, the, that's the bracket or brackets you're going to pay any gain on the house. You're going to pay tax there. There's no special tax rate for capital gains tax in California anymore. It's now just ordinary income. So the more you make, the more tax you pay if you sell something and have a capital gain. That's That's progressive taxation for you right there. Hmm. At the federal level, they have a flat rate. And I think there's two different tax rates depending on what your overall income is. But um, but you can expect to pay ordinary income on any taxable gain from the sale of your property. But I think what you're looking at is talking with a CPA about this. Um, I, mean, I know enough about this to be dangerous, but I don't know enough to advise. <laughs> so uh, So I try not to, I try to just be dangerous and not step over the line into giving direct advice for something like that, other than uh, talk with an accountant. Okay, so uh, I'm coming up on the end of this segment. Uh, is there anything else I can answer for you real quick or or um, anything else? No, that was excellent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate, okay. appreciate it. Well, thank What's you, Colleen and Susan. Um, Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman. I'm on Ross Avenue. Oh, You wow, know, Cambrian Park, person. Ross and Hillsdale. You know, uh-huh. the, the medical medical dental buildings there, I'm in one of those. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, you're very close to me then. Sure. Yeah, across well, the street, nice across the street from the Target. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so, so goodbye. Thank you for calling in. All right, we're coming up at the end of the third segment. And uh, after the break, when I come back, I'm going to wrap up the show, maybe talk a little bit more about the seminars that I have coming up tomorrow. Uh, but until then, um, talk with you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. We're in the final segment of the show today. And um, I want to thank the, uh, Susan, my caller in the third segment. She had some good questions. She had a situation I couldn't particularly help her with. 
on my own, but I hopefully I gave her some good advice about that, and she'll be able to take that and uh, help her make some good decisions for her family. Now, I want to let you all know my uh, Living Trust Seminar for tomorrow morning is now officially full. I do still have space available in my workshops for modifying broken living trusts and for gathering loose assets into a trust without probate. Um, both of those are specialty type work that I do as an attorney. I'm uh, actually uh, starting to get a statewide reputation with attorneys and uh, some title companies for the, the work that I'm doing in this area. And um, if you are a realtor or a title officer, um, you might find um, these seminars, my Gathering Loose Assets into a Trust Without Probate Workshop, very, very valuable. You might want to consider coming to that because um, you're going to learn things that may very well help you save an escrow, save a deal from being lost because the property in question turns out not to have been owned by the trust of the person who died uh, like everyone thought it was. And so that's that's what that particular workshop is about. Now, here's a community property law question here in California. In community property law, for those of you who don't know, when you're married in the state of California, you can own property with your spouse as community property, meaning property owned by the marriage, not owned directly by the husband and, and, and the wife or the husband and husband, wife and wife. Um, in a case like that, community property is treated as special treatment under the law. Now, here's someone saying, um, two siblings and I inherited a house. Because it was inherited, would this be considered as community property between our spouses in California? The answer to that is no, unless you, inheriting the property, actively take steps to transmute, which is the term we use, which is to convert what is your separate inherited property, separate from your marriage, into community property owned by the marriage. Now, I'm not going to go into detail about why that may or may not be a good idea. Suffice it to say that it's something that can be done. Now, the follow-up question here is, if I were to buy out my siblings and take sole ownership, would then that make it community property for myself? Well, first of all, if you are the sole owner, by definition, it's not community property with anybody because community property requires that there be a marriage or, actually, for California state purposes only, a registered domestic partnership. So in that case, it would not be community property. It would still be the separate property of the person who inherited if they bought out their siblings. Now, I will say if they bought out their siblings and didn't do it in the right way, it would trigger reassessment of two-thirds of the property taxes on that property. Probably not a good idea. Okay, here. Can a special needs trust be established after the benefactor has passed away. Okay, this person's asking, says, my neighbor is disabled 
has Medicaid benefits, which would be Medi-Cal um, here in California. That's health insurance for people who are um, disabled and is on SSI. Now, Medicaid and SSI are both needs-based government programs designed to provide to help people who do not have resources. Says he's an only child. His mother passed away. He lives in her house. It's paid for, no mortgage. She has bank accounts and owned land in Hawaii. He's afraid of losing his medical and financial assistance. Well, I don't know if I can go in a lot of depth on this because there's not a lot of time left in the show today. But basically, if he's disabled, he can stay in the house. He can have the house and keep the house. He could actually establish a, a trust and and put the house into a living trust and have it not be subject to recovery of any kind uh, because he's a disabled child. But the bank accounts and land in Hawaii is a problem. Uh, he's probably going to have to get rid of that money somehow, sell that land. He may lose his medical and financial assistance for a time, but he, if he's competent, he actually can establish a special needs trust for himself with this property. The state would be able to recover against it at his death, but if it's done properly, he would be able to transfer the inheritance in there and not lose his eligibility for the benefits that he has right now. Well, we're coming up on the end of the show today. It's good to be back behind the microphone. I hope you enjoyed the show and you learned some things today. I do want to tell you, you can go to my website at lawbob.com and look for the links to register for my workshops tomorrow if you'd like to come to that. Or you can go to eventbrite.com and look for workshops on the uh, on tomorrow on July 13th. So until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman, and I hope you have a great weekend. I'll be doing seminars in the morning. Maybe I'll see you there. So you have a great weekend, and we'll be back with you next Friday. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.